Rob casting to you live from the Badlands of Texas. You're listening to or you're watching Midnight Radio. I am your host, Gerald Schmimmons. I'm glad to welcome you here today, everybody. Hello, friends. How are you guys doing? Is everybody all right? How's everybody doing? If you haven't, let me start off by saying, go ahead and subscribe. Hit that little bell so you can join in the conversation. Uh, I didn't do any... How do you say it? I didn't do a thumbnail ahead of time for this. I didn't pre-schedule it. It's easier for me this way, especially since today we don't have a pre-show. No DJ stepped up and delivered a pre-show. Most of them moved on to their own shows, and we're waiting for a new round of DJs to come in. So if you'd like to become a DJ, we have a hell of a need for a DJ. We need uh, DJs for the pre-show. So... If you're interested in becoming a DJ, you can email me at midnightrad.io101 at gmail.com and make the subject, I'd like to be a DJ. And we can do that. Let me go, matter of fact, talking about DJs, let me go ahead and start the radio stream right now. I got some great information for you guys. Tonight, Johnny Vincent, his show is tonight, is Generation X. And you guys can check that out. It'll be on at 9 o'clock to 11 and uh i think if you're on the other coast it's from 10 to midnight hello everybody listen to the stream you are listening to you're watching midnight radio there we go coming to you live and prove that it's live it's 3 23 so there we go matter of fact i've got a lot of news for you today there's some particular things I want to go over with you from the Stephen Smith investigation paperwork. I've looked at it, and uh, there's some things I want to detail with you, mainly on SLED's initial investigation, their initial interviewing with people. Very interesting, very telling. All right, and also, well, let me just play this first video I have, and uh, we'll go over the news that happened today. And then we're going to launch into Stephen Smith. And then I have some more news for you. There's crazy and odd stuff happening every day. Believe me on that. Your clerk behind bars accused of killing a man at a family dollar store in the West Valley. Police arrested 24-year-old Kevin Salas Madrid. According to court paperwork, Salas Madrid said he confronted a serial shoplifter who then punched him in the face. A witness says that's when Salas Madrid shot the man 10 times. Wow. And kept firing after the man collapsed. Salas Madrid later called it the worst decision of his life. He's booked on second-degree murder charges. So let me double-check, see where this was at. <clears throat> okay, it was Indian School Road. He does look Native American. In Phoenix, this was reported out of Fox 10 from Phoenix. He reportedly been confronting a serial shoplifter for several months. He was there. He told him to leave. He didn't. He shot him 10 times. Wow. Not playing around. Oh, yes, it is my birthday, isn't it? And there's no place I would rather be than with you guys. Let's check this out, guys. Have you heard about this uh, chocolate factory? The old fudge factory exploded over here in uh, Pennsylvania. 
A Pennsylvania chocolate factory explosion has killed two people and five are missing. Check this out. All right. This happened on Friday, of course. Killed two people, left five missing. Authorities said at a news conference Saturday morning, police chief said rescuers found one person alive, offering hope for finding more. They said one person, whoa, said rescuers found one person alive. You know what? There's more information than that. I think they said they found one or two dead and five are still missing at the point. I got the, the news. All right. Somebody said, hey, I made it to a live. I never get my notification for Jerry. Everyone else having that issue? I like getting it live as opposed to replay. Yeah, I did a little bit different today, and I just hit that live button, and here we are. We'll see if this works different with the algorithms. Uh, YouTube's always clowning me is what's going on, but that's okay. Uh, the, content, the content of the shows has nothing zero to do with how many people watch it, by the way. It's how many people get to it. And, you know, they have this little, I'm taking a divergence from a chocolate factory explosion. And I, I got video of the explosion. But um, I'm not talking shop with YouTube. But there's a lot of times I turn my YouTube on, I turn the app on, I look at it, and there's a video that I didn't choose playing right there on the front of the screen. Did you know that? And that counts as a view for them. But those people actually paid YouTube to have their video played uh to get it out there to people. You can pay to have that done now. You know, YouTube, I mean, Google, I'm sorry, the parent company, you know, has stops at nothing sometimes. So if you pay them, they will. You can pay Google for views, and that's the way they do it. They deliver. They deliver all right. Anyhow, going along to this chocolate factory, it happened just before 5 p.m. Friday at R.M. Palmer Company, plant destroyed one building and damaged another nearby the cause of the explosion is still under investigation check out this video of it guys it's crazy isn't it let me blow it up for you man R.M. Palmer is a big chocolate candy maker, makes a lot of Easter candy. Well, happy Easter. It's a horrible story. Oh, horrible. Eight people were taken to Reading Hospital on Friday evening. Authorities couldn't offer updates on their condition. People were asked to move away from the site of the blast, but no evacuations were ordered. So, someone who's worked in factories before, what kind of machineries do we have that can cause, or do... Uh, Factories have that can cause explosions. Well, let's look back at this video real quick because I see some things. And let's see if my knowledge shows me right later. Okay, so we do see a bit of fire. 
So you have a lot of dangerous things in factories. You have a lot of gas lines. There are a lot of gas lines, and those gas lines age over time. As a matter of fact, there's not a factory that I've been in that's used any kind of uh, gas lines that you don't smell leaking. You smell leaking a lot. But you know what? I take it back. I never smelled leaking in any Japanese factory I'd ever worked in. I'd worked in. So there you go. Or that I toured. That's interesting. But the American ones, oh, yes. So that's interesting. And I'm talking about the Japanese-run manufacturing facilities here in the United States. Did you know that? There's a lot of Japanese manufacturing manufacturing factories here in the United States. So Americans work there, but it's... The, man, the corporate management is Jap- Japanese. So looking at this, they also have something called dust collectors. And dust collectors or something, you know, does what it says, collects dust. Um, a lot of times you have things going through the conveyors, and the conveyors are constantly sucking at a certain section of the conveyor to make sure there's no air, uh, make sure there's no dust built up in there. And um, so you could have dust in there and if it's not proper properly grounded you know you can have a dust explosion much like it happens at grain silos sometimes but usually with that you don't see fire um you could also have a problem with the boiler i noticed if you look at the uh, first of this shot you see some things flying off under great pressure looking like bottle rockets see that could be gauges from machines i mean there's no telling all what it is it's a horrible tragedy i'll tell you that and i'm gonna stay stick with it and see what exploded what exploded there all right so let's look a little bit more into the stephen smith case and i have other things i want to talk about also tonight but on the stephen smith case I think it's interesting, the interviews and the things they looked at. The interviews they were conducting. Now, I want to make sure I make this the right size so everybody can see. And I can easily turn the pages. It's about the best I can do. All right, let's see what we got here. Well, hold on. I'm trying to get it. Okay, that doesn't matter. All right, okay, good. Here we go. Let's just go straight to desktop. There you go. So this is from the, the initial SLED Stephen Smith investigation. And that is where these from. There's about 100 pages here. We're going to look at some of these. And I'm interested in the part about the interviewing family. And also, we're going to find out if Alex Murdoch was actually involved or not. Did he show up? All right. So we have the initial paperwork here. 
Okay. See how big I can make this for you guys. That's pretty good. Uh, maybe a little bit bigger. It's covering that gray. I will be opening up the phone lines. I missed talking to you guys yesterday. I got rushed with time, and I'm sorry for that. Whenever that happens to me, I always like to talk to you guys the next available time I can, which is today. All right, here we go. So it talks about who it is. Of course, we're just we're talking about Stephen Smith is who we're talking about. Now, it's been brought to my attention that I'm not an expert on this case because I've not been following it from the beginning. But that's okay. Neither have most of you. And that's not why I'm here. It's not that I'm an expert. It's not why I'm here. I'm here because of you guys. We can talk about this together. And there's no better time for us to talk about this. And we first started looking at it together. We first started talking about it together. We first started learning about what it's all about together. No better time. There's always a good time for somebody to catch up. Now, look at this. All right. Of course, we talked about this. Notified by Lieutenant Brock the incident, I notified Corporal Duncan to contact on scene supervisor. Corporal Duncan called me to advise that he was told it appeared to be a homicide and SLED was taking it over. I was advised there was a possible gunshot wound to the victim's head. Corporal Duncan then discontinued his trip to the scene. I then advised Lieutenant Brock of the updated status of the incident. I was notified by Lieutenant Brock that the victim did not have a gunshot wound according to the autopsy. Contacted Sergeant Burns, and th- these are dates. These are dates, too. 7 8. 7 8. Met with Sergeant at People's Roden Funeral Home to examine the body. Attempted to make contact with 911 caller at his residence. Of course, that was the one that said he had a hot tip and he was blaming the Murdoch's. Remember that? But then he wouldn't talk to him again. Traveled to the scene and documented. Hello, hot ham. Just getting here. Met with Hampton County SO to gather any of their information in the victim's phone. Corporal Allen advised that we were not needed at the autopsy. Okay, this is 7-8. So it's like this dude, 7-8. Look at the other 7-8, 7-9, 7-8, It looks like he filled out his paperwork after the fact. I've noticed that. This, These aren't the main particular points I want to address here either, but I am going through some of them. This is stuff that we went over yesterday about them initially thinking it was a homicide. But it all stopped at the examiner. And wouldn't it really? I mean, oh, great people who like to commit crimes and get away with stuff. You know, you have uh, taken the lives of witnesses. Hee-haw. You have, you know, sometimes people put hits out for witnesses. Some people work through the... um, the police, you know, there's people that have so much influence, as, you know, was the case in some things I investigated. The Amityville murder was one of the things. But let's look at this. If you if you just do this, the medical examiner, if you have an in with the medical examiner and they don't declare it something that would, you know, warrant a certain type of investigation, then 
then you can control the narrative in a way, can't you? And who would know to do something like that? I'm telling you. I have, well, I was going to say, I've never seen a medical examiner be prosecuted for wrongdoings, but I'll tell you what, I actually have. And uh, where I'm from, there was a guy named Ralph Erdman, and he did inappropriate things with corpses. He was a medical examiner, and uh, he was caught doing inappropriate things with corpses. So that medical examiner, well, he lost his license for sure. And his job. So, moving on, the funeral home, an attempt to interview with Ronnie Capers, 911 caller, traveled to the incident site, traveled to 4220 Joe Miley Road, and met with father, sister, and brothers. All right, we're getting into the investigative part now, so where my interest is. Sergeant Booker, in reference to an incident in Hampton County on Sheriff Run Road. Contacted Corporal M.D. Allen, on-scene supervisor, in reference to this incident. States a white male was found in the roadway. Okay, we know about all this. Corporal Allen called back and advised me that it appeared to be a homicide. This is Corporal Allen. The sled had been called. States it appeared to be a possible gunshot wound to the victim's head. At this point, I contacted Sergeant Booker. Now, it's going to go through all the different. Uh, here we go. Audio interview conducted with 911 caller Ronnie Capers. Mr. Capers states he never stopped, just saw someone lying in the road. Stacy thought it was an animal at first, but when he got closer, he saw it was a white guy lying in the road. Traveled to Hampton County impound lot to photograph Stephen's car. Gas cap was unscrewed and hanging outside of the gas cap door. I wonder, I wonder if they took fingerprints off the gas cap. I mean, you, you think they would, but did they? Did they? Contacted Mark Bickert. Mark Bickhart. Bickert. Bickert. That, this is what, here we go, by phone. Mr. Bickert was in a relationship with Stephen Smith. Traveled to Mr. Bickert's residence and conducted an audio interview. States him and Stephen were in a relationship. States he had talked with Stephen by phone and text on the morning of the incident. States he believed foul play was involved. After leaving Mr. Bickert's residence, he called me at approximately 412. 14.12, sorry. States he is not sure about the timelines and just rambled in conversation. Just rambled. Everything he said, he rambles in his Twitter. Why doesn't somebody listen to this man? He just rambles, and that's all he put of the whole conversation. I want to hear the audio of this. Somebody's saying this has been suppressed big time. Right here, just rambled. And that's it. That's all he had to say. Investigation, paperwork, he just rambled. Wow, really? Do they want to find who did this? Shouldn't any stone have been turned? No stone should have been left unturned. Yeah, he just rambles. Really?
You know what? I think if I inve- if I not investigate, if I contact this Mark for an interview, I'll listen to him. You guys want to listen to him. They don't want to listen to him. They don't want to. They didn't want to declare this a homicide until it came into the public eye. I don't think they'll listen to him unless we talk to him and put him in the public eye. What he has to say in the public eye. There's a problem here. They don't want to get off their asses and do anything they don't have to do is what I'm seeing. And I don't know. I don't, I'm not saying they're lazy. But I am saying this. I am going to contact Mark for an interview. I'll, I'll have our booker get involved in that. And we'll see what we get. Because I want to know, I want to know, I don't care what he has to say, all right? There is nothing that he has to say that isn't covered under free speech, all right? And I don't give a damn what YouTube has to say my free speech is. I'm covered by the Constitution. I have my own streaming platform, my own website that's not going away. And we'll bring it over there, and he can say anything he wants against anybody, and you guys can hear it on the radio, midnightrad.io. Contact Lieutenant Corporal about asking the family for Stephen's iPad and laptop. 7.14.15, this is the same day. 16.36 hours, that's 4.37. Mr. Bickard called again and left a message. I want to know what that message was. You didn't put it on here. Why not? Mr. Pickard called three times. 0034 hours and 0035 hours. Subject left a voicemail message. You're documenting. They're documenting that there is evidence, but not what that evidence is. Thank you for your birthday messages, guys. I really appreciate it. Really appreciate it. 71515, traveled to Loop 7 headquarters and met with Lieutenant Taylor and First Sergeant Moore, briefed them on the incident. First Sergeant Moore transferred the iPad to computer to me. Uh, Transfer the iPad and computer to me, okay? I'm looking at this. All right, let me go to the top of this. What does it say? M-D-A-I-T, Multidisciplinary Accident Investigation Team Case Notes. Why in the hell are they not putting what somebody says and just says they're rambling on there? You have somebody that knows about the crime. I'm sorry, are there some additional notes that says what this man said? Are you writing it on a little green notebook too while you fill this out and leaving everything out? If I was Mark, and I was looking at this, I would be pissed. I would be pissed. Rambling on. He called again. He called again. All right. Matter of fact, he was pissed, wasn't he? We read some of his Facebook messages. The DMV office states Stephen became very secretive about two weeks prior to the incident.
the hell does this mean? Hold on, look at this. Contacted uh, Corporal Powell to make arrangements to interview Stephen Smith's twin sister, Stephanie Smith. Okay. Traveled to Hampton County and interviewed Stephen Smith. Uh, Stephanie Smith, I'm sorry. Stephanie Smith at the DMV office. This is his twin sister. She stated that Stephen became very secretive about two weeks prior to the incident. She did not know anyone who had a problem with Stephen. Stephen... She states Stephen had class at Orangeburg TEC Tech on the 7th of July. Also says she didn't talk about his boyfriend a lot. She says, also says she didn't talk about his boyfriend a lot. Retrieve, maybe he didn't retrieve computer. iPad, so they have his iPad, they have his laptop. Taken to Charleston, South Carolina by... Proctor. What do they do with these? Yeah. Yeah, Stephanie and Stephen, very close. Spoke with and interviewed Stephen's mother. What did she have to say? Mother confirmed that Stephen had became more secretive lately. Now, I remember some of the things Mark Bickard said. He said that he and Stephen were planning on buying a house next to the beach after Stephen graduated. Hmm. It's one of the things he said. The mother confirmed that Stephen had become more secretive lately. Mother also stated, she said that Stephen had a friend. Can't read this. A friend at Burlow, B-I-B-I-L-O, but they had a disagreement a while back. Possible name James, but they became friends, thought it was strange. Stephen was not studying like he used to and was playing hooky from school. And he was going to college to be a nurse. Spoke with Corporal Rowell. It's supposed to be Powell about tracking down James and Bilo and checking on video from store and seeing Mark Bickard earlier that morning around incident site. Really? Mark Bickard went to the incident site. Interesting. Spoke, spoke with Corporal Powell about James and video. No video. And James states him and Stephen had a relationship James that he and Stephen had a relationship for a while, but has not seen him in a while. Contacted Lieutenant Johnson and Sled, still not, no luck unlocking the phone. Spoke with Stephen's mother, no new information. Reviewing iPad downloaded. Media 7515. Eleven fifty through one. Do not come and no need to respond. Fragmente mi quiero ir a casa la coromi esta monte montaro. Tuesday three thirty nineteen fifty five. This is information from the iPad. Contacted Lieutenant Johnson with sled. 
All right, be rocking. Be rocking, saying everything arrived will be set up by next week. Need to watch DJ lessons. Okay, be rocking. We need you, DJ. Be rocking. That is a freaking awesome name, DJ. Be rocking. We do need DJs. If you're interested in being a DJ on the radio, we have a radio station, ladies and gentlemen, a full-fledged radio station. And even though she's not here, DJ Electra requested that the the uh, sexist coffee commercials be removed, and they are removed with new legitimate commercials. So contacted Lieutenant Johnson with SLED, made arrangements to pick up the iPhone on Tuesday. Contacted Sandy Smith in reference to assisting with unlocking the phone. Sandy Smith states she was the secondary fingerprint for the phone. States she can meet with me on Tuesday in Orangeburg. Picked up the iPhone from SLED. No chain of custody with the phone. Really? They picked it up from SLED. There was no chain of custody. There's supposed to be a chain of custody with every piece of evidence. So what do we have? We have... A broken chain of custody, which means the evidence is not properly being handled. That means someone could have had it, did something to it. There you go. Sled doing their jobs. Meet with Sandy Smith and Stephanie Smith in in Orangeburg, unable to lock the phone. Oh, really? Unable to lock the phone. Interesting. Interesting. Contacted. Oh, we got a redaction, everybody. Rachel Tutton, Stephanie's best friend, says last time she spoke with Stephen was by text around 7 through 8 p.m. on 7, 7, 15. No other information. Conley met with me around 8.30 to transfer the iPad to me. Returned iPad to Stephanie Smith. Stephanie contacted me by phone. States had some information that she needed to give me. Asked Stephen, asked Stephanie if she would email the information about what we talked about over the phone. All right. Secretive stuff. Received an email with the information, but I'm not putting it in my reports, guys. Sandy Smith call. And and I do know this, guys. You know, I'm saying this, that they're not putting that in the things in the report which is true they're not putting things in the report um no they're not they don't do that a lot of the time actually matter of fact uh, sometimes they don't even take notes or they didn't used to sandy smith see so we have mark bickard and it's odd to me that I haven't seen any information. I haven't heard anything about the parent or the sisters saying anything about the relationship that Stephen had with Mark. I've, I've heard nothing. It's just odd. Maybe that's the secret information Stephanie sent. Stephen... Uh, Sandy Smith calls, states she went back out to the scene and found a footprint. She had to find it. That's the mother. She found a footprint 200 feet down from where Stephen was found. States the impression was in an ant mound. Also says another print was not visible because of rain. Well, here's the deal, guys. This is what? Oh, you can't even read 8-6. 
Okay. This is like a month later. This is like a month later, and she finds a footprint. That has zero bearing on the case at this point. Contacted Angela Carroll in reference to Stephen Smith's death. Information from Stephanie Smith states a boy named Brendan asked if Stephen and brother in Buster Murdoch ever had any type of relationship. Just this person, Brendan, asked a question. Attempted to call Brandon, phone number blank, no answer, left message. The father of Brendan Strother, where they're saying his full name here, called me, wanted to know what was going on, stated he would have his son call me later. 811 briefed First Sergeant Moore in reference to Brendan Strother. Brendan Strother contacted me, states the text that he sent Angela was what he heard from others, just rumors, which kind of makes sense, just asking a question. Continue to look through information. And is this, so, so far, other than it being 15 miles away, this is a connection to the Murdaws. This guy called because he heard a rumor. Sometimes there are truth in rumors. Sometimes rumors are the truth. And we don't know what the case is this time. Not yet, anyway. Although... They did reopen up this investigation after they were investigating the murder of Paul Murdoch and Maggie Murdoch, which is why we're talking about it. Somebody's saying neglect and or lack of care to document thoroughly. No, that is not why they don't document thoroughly. They do it on purpose. That way they can change things later and not be held accountable for it in a court of law. This is what I was told by an investigator. I was told this by, um, let's see, who was it? It was uh, one of the lead detectives before. This is why they do it. And I see nothing, uh, nothing's different for SLED, but I thought those days were over. I didn't know they were still doing that. Continue to look through information. Download from Stephen's iPad. Still trying to get a timeline. No, no new information. iPad was at Orangeburg tech the night before his death according to breadcrumbs file interesting they know where you leave your stuff attempted to contact mark bickard by phone went straight to voicemail left mr bickard a message at time 10:54. attempted to contact mark bickard left message 13:10. attempted to call mark bickard still go straight to voicemail left a message attempted to call mark bickard left a message go straight to voicemail so they tried to contact Bickard back. All right, so let's look at this. What happened that made them call Bickard? Nothing. Nothing happened. 817, 818, and we don't have anything else on this report till the 26th, and then they're trying to call Mark Bickard. Spoke with Sandy Smith, gave me a phone number to a person that may know some information only knows first name cecil attempted to contact cecil no answer attempted to contact nora williams sandy smith states she may have some information about stephen's death sandy smith sandy smith that's the mother brings four times no voice spoke with stephanie smith 
about Nora Williams and Dell Stanley. States Dell says there was a green Jeep that was following Stephen on or about the day he died. A green Jeep. You guys were talking about blue paint. Well, this is a green Jeep. Sandy Smith called me at 1223 and wanted to know if any of the interviews done have led to any new information. Of course, they're not going to tell her anything. Sandy Smith called. This is the 18th. That was the 17th. And said she had heard on the radio that an arrest had been or will be made in reference to her son's death. That is sad. 1119, this is uh, the year 2015, had... Lance, I guess that's Lance Corporal, L. Corporal. Proctor contact the radio station in reference to an arrest, ask him to find out if this was true and maybe who called saying it. Received an email in reference to an anonymous tip states Don Tero Aiken, along with another black male and a white male, Murdoch, are the ones involved in the death. This is tip is referencing to Stephen Smith contacted Les Corporal Powell and briefed him on this information. Also sent an email to him for Sergeant Moore, Sergeant Burns and Sergeant Booker about what I wanted Les Corporal Powell to do. Sent Les Corporal Powell, Proctor, sorry, po- Proctor now this information and advised him about situation. Thank goodness. This is typed. This is from Proctor. Now, this is what happened in the autopsy. Thank you, Annabelle Stell. Thank you very much. Uh, I do want to say this. I'm going to interrupt this time. I have to end this hard at like 8, eight um, 50 at the very latest because Johnny's going to be on at 9, and I want to hear that show. I'm telling you, I know a little bit about it. I'm super excited about it and i really am that is generation x show with johnny vincent the generation x show with johnny vincent comes on midnight radio midnight rad.io um matter of fact guys let me give you a link so you guys can uh, listen to it because you know you want to and while i'm doing that i'm picking that up I want to tell you who our executive producer is for this show today. And uh, this lady, she, I'm telling you, she really means, and not just because she donates to the cause, but because we would not be here without somebody. Most of you guys don't, and I don't have a problem with that. I really don't. But we have to be able to raise money for a radio station. It's why we're here. I could talk about saucier things and go to uh, to one of the, what is that one website with the green player? Uh, you know what I'm talking about, right? The one with the green player, uh, Bitshoot. That's one of them. No, nah, we don't want to do that. All right, let me give you this link real quick. So I want to thank Lady Lisa very much. I also want to thank Annabelle Stealth very much. Annabelle Stealth is going to be the executive producer for our next show. I'm holding on to that. 
for those of you that don't know, it is my birthday. So even if you donate something today, it's still not going to go to me. It's going to go to our radio music license. That means everything to me. Because I'll tell you why. It's not just because I love radio, although I do. I think it is wrong how you turn the radio on. And the only thing that you hear is music that you don't want to really listen to. It's like, and if you're listening to Rumble, that's all right. And if you're listening to classic music, they don't play the classic tunes you want to listen to. And why is that? It's because they're cheap, ladies and gentlemen. There's three licensing agencies, and if you license with all three, you can play everything. If you license with one or two, you're stuck with just certain, certain artists, and that's why you hear things all the time. And I thought this, although the laws are, they've changed, and I believe they were around 05, 6, 7, 8, because that's right the first time I was going to do online radio. And then they changed the rules in Congress, so there's extra licenses on people that are streaming on the Internet. Because of podcasting, it changed. They just took hold, although this isn't podcasting, it's online radio. Anyway, I found a way around it. The way around it is you guys. It is about what you want to listen to, what you want to hear. So I thought, I'm not paying those licenses. I can't do that. I can't afford that. Then I thought, you know what? We can pay those licenses. The people that want to hear, and it's not a lot of money. It's just me taking all my YouTube money and putting it on that license. That is how we do it. Instead of me spending it on a candy bar and an electric bill, You give it to me because you appreciate what we do here, and I give it to you back in the form of radio. No, not just radio. In the form of free speech, in the form of music you want to listen to. That is what it is. There's an app. You can download that, and you can listen to it anywhere, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Here's a link right here. If you click it right now, you're just going to hear me uh, talking to you. But after the show... DJ Johnny Vincent with Jen Gen X Radio at nine. Is going to be on at 9 p.m. CST. And believe me, I'm going to be listening because I love that show. I love the all the DJs' shows. I really do. All right. Let me continue here. I went down to MUSC on this day to meet with Dr. Evelyn Presnell. She is a pathologist that performed the autopsy on the victim in this case. You know what, guys? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me go ahead and open up the voice lines. I know some of you have been wanting to call in about this. I guess you could have left me messages, but you didn't, so... All right, voice line, or actually the call-in line is now open if you want to call me. If you want to call me, you can go ahead and do that. 
about this case. So I went down to MUSC on this date to meet with Dr. Aaron Presnell. She is a pathologist who performed the autopsy on the victims in this case. The reason I went and spoke with her was due to a preliminary report where she stated that the victim was possibly struck by a motor vehicle mirror, which was the cause of death. Moore had already, uh, First Sergeant Moore had already, I'm sorry, had already had, from my understanding, a heated conversation with her about this issue, really. The MAIT team was always, has always, had a good working relationship with MUSC, so I wanted to see if I could go down there, get some sort of clarification. As soon as Dr. Presnell came into the room, she began in a negative tone, stating that I did not have a meeting scheduled and that she was very busy. She stated that she could not even begin speaking with me about this case without the coroner's consent. I advised her that I had spoken with coroner Washington the day before, and she basically called me a liar and said she would call him right then. When I asked if she wanted me to call from my cell phone, she backed off. I asked her why she stated that in the report, and her answer was, I asked her why she stated that in the report, okay, he's having issues with the uh, English language. I thought it was me. I asked her why she stated that in the report and her answer was because he was found in the road. She had no evidence other than that for the statement being put in the report. She asked why we did not think it was a vehicle strike. And I explained to her that we had no evidence of this individual being struck by a vehicle. Asked her if someone with a baseball bat could do that, and she stated no. When I probe further, saying, what about someone in a moving car with a baseball bat? Well, I guess it's possible, she said. Then she asked if we found a bat as evidence. I could see that this conversation was not going to yield any positive results. As I was leaving, she stated the report was preliminary, and it was my job to figure out what it was that struck him not hers. What do you guys think about this? You can call in 325-261-0892. I spoke with Corner Washington today in reference to the final autopsy report issued from MUSC. He faxed me a copy of the report and told me that he does not agree with the pathologist stating that the victim was struck by a uh, motor vehicle. We discussed the fact that the report states the cause of death as blunt head trauma motor vehicle crash pedestrian versus vehicle then the matter then the manner of death was undetermined i would think that the blunt force head trauma would be the cause of death and the motor vehicle crash would be the manner the trauma was delivered to cause the crash the pathologist also states in the report that in light of historical information along with the autopsy these conclusions were made to what historical information she possessed i'm unaware i attempted to speak with dr presnell at an earlier date to go over information that he had discovered throughout the investigation and that was ill received the coroner did tell me that the deputy coroner that had gone dazed to musc the morning of the autopsy and spoke with a pathologist she had since been fired from his office i spoke with the deputy coroner green and agent burke with sled as both of them were present at the time of the autopsy, both stated they made no reference to the pathologist about the victims being struck by a vehicle, only that he was found dead in the road. The coroner stated that he had made contact with the pathologist, Dr. Presnell, 
and she stated that she would be willing to change her report to read however he wanted it. I received a message to call SLED. Agent Michael Moscow, in reference to discussing trace evidence located on the deceased clothing in the case. During our conversation, Mr. Moscow advised, he located around 10. One millimeter single blue paint chips. Mr. Moscow advised he needed more paint layer evidence to pinpoint a particular vehicle. Mr. Moscow advised that the PDQ database indicated the paint could be from an industrial tool, dumpster, or signpost. Mr. Mescal added that Toyota used this particular paint on its vehicles from 82 to 88. What are you guys thinking? Again, the phone line is still up. It is 325-261-0892. I received information from Corporal Duncan about an individual, Daryl Williams. He is stating that his stepson, Patrick Wilson, told him that Sean Connolly struck and killed Stephen Smith. Mr. Williams stated that his son told him this in confidence that his son had moved out and he did not know where he was staying. Wow, hello. He could only tell me that Patrick attended some Christian school in Ridgeland. I drove down to Ridgeland and went to Step of Faith School. Patrick Wilson was not a student there. Midnight caller line. This is Jerry. Who am I speaking with? <laughs> oh, wow. I can't believe the line is open. The line is it's open. It's DJ Hotham. Hey, DJ Hotham. How are you doing? I thought you had something to record tonight. Yeah, I was going to, but then your show came on, so. So I'm you taking know. up your time. I can't feel bad about that. Well, you should. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But uh, happy birthday, by the way. <laughs> Thank you very much. I keep forgetting. <laughs> I think I wished you a happy birthday last night, but I keep saying it. It's <laughs> not a bad thing to say. So, what's on your mind with this case? It's so much information. I'm so freaked out. And I feel like, was it Dilly Pickles who posted this last night in the Discord? It was just a yes. lot of information. It is. Is there anything that st stuck out at you particularly? <laughs> yeah. Um, pretty much that blood needs to be investigated. <laughs> or Well, but also someone has a very, very big interest in suppressing certain information. It and does. we don't know why. <laughs> we don't know why, but we can look at what's being suppressed. The yep. The death itself, the, the means of death, that's being suppressed. And also Mark Bickard. And it's been suppressed for years. Like, God. It's being suppressed for years and the only time things have changed in the case is, you know, when a public spotlight has been brought on and they're like, oh, I didn't, oh, okay, yeah. I didn't know that. So here we go. I didn't, okay, well, let's, yeah. we'll open the case again. Don't don't get me in trouble. You know what I mean? Just to cover their ass. Yeah. I think the Stephen Smith case is infinitely more interesting than any of the Murdoch 
crime like cases it's because it involves them but i think it's a whole bigger picture that has been suppressed and i don't i want to know why um why is there that connection with the murdochs to what extent like why who else would have a motive to yeah. suppress this information Again, and what connection they have we're looking, <laughs> we're looking at this from now there's people that have been covering the Murdoch trial and they've a long, they've been looking at the Stephen Smith trial for, you know, a long time now, but uh, we're just looking at it again, which is good. So we can all look at it together and the things that are standing out, you know, are Mark Bickard. What, what did he say? (laughs) What does he want to say? I mean, Based on his Facebook post, he, he seems to want to say a lot. <laughs> like He's got he a does. lot to say. He wants to talk. He wants to um, be heard. Yeah, so Mark Bickhart, call, call in. Call Midnight Radio. It would be interesting to hear from you. No, we're going to – I have his contact information. I'm going to schedule an interview with him, and we're going to do a proper show, and I'm going to let this man have a chance to talk. Awesome. I'm not just like, if I call, if, if all I did was say, Hey, call me, Mark, you know, it's like throwing a, I don't know. That's like <laughs> me throwing a hey. message in a bottle in the yeah. Indian ocean, you know? <laughs> yeah. Not even on the right yeah, continent. Just throwing it out there. Not going to happen. Although it did yeah. happen one time I'm on just, the show, didn't it? We were talking about who <laughs> T-Rev and <laughs> T-Rev called up. Yeah. So that was, I know, that freaked me out. That was awesome. That was some, it was amazing because that, nobody was being, everybody was being cool well, and speaking their truth. And he showed up and spoke his truth and it was really cool. Well, when he spoke his truth, we got the rest of the, we got the whole story. It was like, okay, I understand now, you know. Yeah. Maybe Mark will That's call That's why him. it's really cool to talk on a radio show because you don't have to work. You're not like encumbered by the rules of social media, you know, because social media owns social media. They have their own interests. The cool and thing about it is this. basically the really cool thing about this show. Free speech well, the real, well, I mean, but the really cool thing about this show is I can say whatever I want. You know, there's certain things exactly. I can't say because of YouTube, but I don't care. There's literally, yeah, I have a button I push right here on my screen, and it's, that's a free speech button. It goes to the podcast, and it goes on my website. It'll be streaming there. Exactly. If I ever say, hey, guys, yeah, like, go to midnightrad.io, we're switching over there, and it'll yeah. be just like here except on my side, and then I can say whatever I want, yeah. which I might have to do with Mark, yeah, actually. Yeah, if, if, YouTube, if YouTube, like, stops running something, just listen to the midnight radio <laughs> like it's really cool and it's something we need these days that's not like a for-profit you know it, things need to start out like this in my opinion if that makes any sense well the problem is if it's i mean it's not like a charity right like you can't donate and get a tax deduction no i know but <laughs> yeah but in order for free speech to work, I knew I had to have it a certain way because if I was beholden to advertisers, then there's still things that you guys wouldn't be able to say, you know. 
Like if Mark wanted to, if he right. wanted to go off on the Smith family, I mean, he can do that, you know? Right. And if I was advertising Hershey Kisses, Hershey's not going to like that. Huh? Be like, you know, we can't yeah, say but- that, Mark. I'd have to use this button, you know? And I just use this button as a <laughs> joke, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That is the power of free speech. Yeah. Just record everything you ever say. <laughs> just record everything and, you know, yeah. just only play it for people that want to hear what you have to say. So, yeah, exactly. I, I definitely think and Mark. There are still people who want to hear what people have to say. The way they were treating Mark, I thought about him like, well, maybe I shouldn't because maybe part of the interview, but I mean, I don't care. I mean, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a judge. You know, exactly. I'm not a part of that process, but I can ask nope. someone for an interview. And if he wants to be heard, it looks like they don't care about what he has to say, you know? Yeah, they seem to like, I don't know. They, they left so much out. It's impossible to figure out what they're thinking with him. But, yeah. Very I'd just be curious to hear what everybody has to say. What else did you read that really stuck out to you? So we got Mark Bickard. Oh, it was so oh. much. It was like every single thing. I remember before, so, I, before I got off, I think we, we got off topic, but the, the things that really, you, we asked, where did the Murdoch's come in on this? That's what you asked. That's what we were talking about. Right. Well, it was 15 right. miles, 15 miles away from their place. Right. So 15 miles. What do we think about that? Is that actually, that takes you out of my far? town that I'm in. That's a long time. I think so too. Anywhere like, I'm driving. People keep saying it's like right next to 15 miles away is a long way. Right. I mean, I go to the next town. Yeah. 15 yeah, I live in a city where driving that. four miles takes me 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah, so, that's true. Yeah, 15, 15 miles to me is a long way unless you take a highway when there's no traffic. So, <laughs> And then, so you have it being that close to their house and you have somebody calling in about a rumor. I heard about the Mur- uh, yeah. Murdoch kid and that's it. Yeah, Until. Ain't much. That's nothing until uh, Alex Murdoch kills his family. So, and they were in, so involved much, in that yeah, investigation. It's so much more complicated. Said they found something. And I asked people yep. who've been following this for a while, and they say they think it had something to do with the, the phones. Hmm. Hmm. Something to do with the phones. They said they think it has something to do with a, a digital footprint of the phone, something they found on the phone, something they found on a digital device. Interesting. Yeah, I'm you sure it wasn't just because they. Oh, none of us really you're know saying what the it reason, is. They, they, you're saying the reason they reopened the case? Yes. They said the reason why they reopened was, the case was because something they found out during the Murdoch investigation. Right, and I figured it was just that they looked at it, like they looked at the, they looked at how terrible the investigation was, and they were like, "Oh, geez, we they, better." They just re- happened to relook at it. Let's look at everything. Oh my goodness, maybe just because <sighs> no, somebody not, mentioned it, it wasn't 
was it entered in a computer? They don't have some sort of database where they can type I, in. Yeah. They, yeah, I know. Where's the real information? Okay, sir. If I'm the judge, I'm like, where's the? Does anybody have authority over these organizations? Does the governor have to call? I'm like, all right. Where's no. your real report? Where's the real report? I want the report with all the information. This is abbreviated. Who has the real report? Nobody, probably. And a lot of times, the lawyers don't get all the information they need either. So, right. So that's right. where we're at with that. But I, I got to get off here because I don't want to, I don't want to step on John. Yeah, and I don't want to interrupt. For it. Yes. Happy birthday. And I'm going to listen to Johnny Vincent's show coming right up. Thank you for calling. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you, Jerry. Have a- you too. I'm going to have a great birthday. I'm going to have some chicken, uh, chicken fajitas after this. My favorite. Guys, thank you for tuning in again. If you want, we're going to go over the rest of this. We don't have a lot left. Well, I guess we do. But I'm going to continue to go over this investigating paperwork. We're on page 28 of 110. I'm going to go ahead and put the call out for Mark Bickard. I'll do that, actually, while I'm listening to the Johnny, Johnny Vincent show, guys. Tell you what, I'm going to... I'm going to pin the Johnny Vincent right up here so you guys can check it out. All right, I got to go. <laughs> if you guys are interested in the phone app, you have an Android phone, you can get that from our our um, community page or our community post. I have that on there. You can download that and you can listen to the show. You can also take that link that I put, that Radio King link, all right, and you can bookmark that and keep it in your phone. Now, the benefit of the app versus the bookmark link is that I can send push notifications, and I've been practicing with that, guys, and I've got it down. So next time we do a show, if you have the app, I'm going to send out a push notification right before I go live so we don't have to worry about YouTube not telling you when we go live. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, I'm going to be back on Monday. I don't plan on being here Sunday. Now, Monday... I plan on being here early in the morning at 6 a.m. That's when I'm going to start doing a 6 a.m. show and a 6 p.m. show. All right? So that is the plan, guys, and you'll see what I got planned for you on Monday. Until then, all my best.